Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And today we're going to talk about when Jesus says that I I am the door. We're going to discuss what Jesus meant when he said that. Uh, This is uh, the reason I believe that this is is an important series is because there's a huge disconnect between who people portray Jesus to be and between who Jesus says that he is. So this morning, we're really going to take a look at the scriptures and see, well, who is it that Jesus says that he is? So if you can, why don't you do me a favor? Open your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to be starting at verse 7. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. You can share with the person that's next to you. If you don't own a Bible, we have a lot of free Bibles that we would love to give you right after service. They're also going to put the verses up on the screens. You guys there, John chapter 10? Amazing. All right, we're going to start at verse 7. The Bible reads like this. I'm not on the right page. John chapter 10, verse 7. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. So it says like this. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep, they don't listen to them. Then Jesus says this again. It's, it's almost like he's emphasizing importance on this, on this phrase because, again, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This is verse 10. This is probably my favorite verse in this passage. It says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you guys know if we only read that verse, it would be really bad news? But I love the rest of the verse because Jesus says this, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The title of my message this morning is Jesus is the door. Very original and very creative. (laughs) Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's ask the Holy Spirit to be here this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And Holy Spirit, help me to preach your word this morning in a way that's effective and in a way that will change lives. Father, you know the story of everyone in here. So, Father, I ask that you would get your word and that you would break it up into a million pieces, that it would meet everyone individually where they are. So, Jesus, we thank you for the lives that are going to be transformed today and because we're going to hear your voice. So give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and a heart to receive you. And it's in Jesus' name all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout of praise this morning? Amazing. Can you do me a favor and make some noise to my friend here on the keys? Thank you so much. I, I don't know about you, but, but I love family reunions. For me, family reunions are, are probably one of the most funnest, it's funnest to work. No, it's not, right? But you know what I mean. For me, family reunions is like the most fun. I, I just love family reunions. And, and last year, I had the opportunity to go to a family reunion with my wife's family. Now, I love having family reunions, especially with my wife's family. And the reason that I love hanging with my wife's family is because my wife's family, well, they're Dominican. Any Dominicans in the house this morning? Ah, mi gente, tire, platano con salami, platano con Una cebollita con su yuca. Hey, 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 okay, okay. Uh, like, like I, I, love, I, I love my Dominican people. I'm Cuban, my, my wife is Dominican. But, but the reason I love hanging out with Dominicans is because Dominicans can throw down in the kitchen. Like, in the kitchen, in the kitchen. 
Like, I, I love the way Dominicans cook. Like, every single morning we had platano con salami. We had, they call it mangu. Listen to this. This is almost a sin to even drink this. Every single morning what we had, it was called mori soñando. You guys know what I'm saying? It's, it's like half orange juice. And I think, it's, I think the rest is like condensed milk. But it's, it's like if, if heaven and earth collided, it would be, be morinsoyando. I mean, it's the best drink I've ever had on the planet. It's, it's amazing. But, but the reason I was really excited about this family reunion is because my wife's 90-year-old grandmother was flying into town from DR. Now, this is what you got to understand about Stephanie's grandma. Stephanie's grandmother is the matriarch of the family. Like, she is 90 years old, and she owns one of the largest farms in DR that she works. She has over 30,000 chickens on her farm. I mean, this lady, she, she is a monster. Like, like she is no joke. She, she built an empire in that family. So, you know, this is going to be the first time that I'm going to spend time with, with my future grandmother. And, and, and for me, like, I'm just overwhelmed because I think, okay, I'm going to make a really good first impression. So when I meet my grandmother, I, I begin to tell her, man, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. I start complimenting her cooking. I start asking her all types of questions like, how did you build such an amazing empire out of nothing? You're building churches all through DR. You're feeding the home. Like, how do you do all of these things? And, you know, to make a long story short, at the end of the night, she whispered in my ear. She goes, hey, by the way, I want you to know that you're my favorite. <laughs> it was amazing. So it was at the end of the night, and, and, and we were really full. You know, we've been eating all day, and it's time to get into bed. And, you know, a series of unfortunate events <laughs> begin to happen. Because before I go to bed, I, you know, I like to go to bed comfortable. So, so I go and take a shower. I relax. You know, I do these things. And, and as I'm walking to the bathroom and I open the door, all of a sudden I hear, and I slam the door, and all of a sudden, I start yelling, Perdóname, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry. And my wife runs out, she's like, babe, what happened? Is my grandmother okay? I said, babe, I just walked in to the restroom, and your 90-year-old grandmother was getting ready to get into the shower. <laughs> Fast forward, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we go to DR. She's excited to see me, and she goes, Mira, el muchacho que me vio en el baño. Oh, I love it. I'm still her favorite, though. I, I, I have a question. H- have you ever opened a door that you wish you would have never opened? <laughs> you guys know you've all opened a door, some weird stuff. But, but before, but before we, t- we, we talk about that, before we answer this question, I really want to take a moment to talk about the concept of doors because what we got to understand about doors is that doors are they're so common in our life that sometimes we even forget that they're there. For example, you walked in uh, like on an average of 50 doors before you sat down in your seat today. See, doors are, they're, they're amazing because they're so common. But the thing about doors that are very interesting is that doors aren't only a physical thing. Doors are actually extremely spiritual. You see, the Bible mentions the word door over 400 times. And the reason that the Bible mentions doors 400 times is because doors are metaphors for choices and decisions that we make. You see, the reality is, is that your life is a result of the choices and the decisions that you make. If there's one way that I would say it, I would say it like this, is that your life is a result of the doors that you've chosen to walk through or the doors that you've chosen to walk past. And if we're honest, I really believe that in an audience like this, there's people who would say, Mike, you know what, there's some doors that I've opened in my life that I wish I would have never opened. And 
sometimes what happens is that when we open doors and expose ourselves to things that we were never meant to be exposed to, sometimes it takes months or even years to retract and, and get our life back in order. You know, as I was studying for this message, I came across this article that psychologists wrote, and it started talking about this issue called the revolving door syndrome. And really what the revolving door syndrome, really what it implies, what, how psychologists define this syndrome, is that let's say that there's a person who's struggling with a certain area in their life. And, all, and they're making changes and they're, they're growing and they're getting better. But for some reason, they always revert back or they relapse to negative behaviors, negative activities, and to a negative way of living. Psychologists also say this, that if people don't get help being set free from the revolving door syndrome, that it may take you either months or years to be set free from this. And I really believe in an audience of this size that there are people who say, Mike, that's exactly how my life feels. I feel like I'm in prison. I feel not, not a physical prison, but a spiritual and emotional prison where my mind has been trapped and it feels like I'm going around and around in circles because when I think that my life is getting better, it just reverts back to negativity. You know, I really believe, for example, that there's people here that you're in a revolving door of a negative relationship. That you opened a, a door to a relationship that's toxic that you knew from the beginning you should have never opened up to. And although there's moments and times where the relationship seems better, for some reason it reverts back to abuse or it reverts back to it being toxic. This is funny. There's people who have, they're stuck in a revolving door of constantly getting into bad relationships. I know this guy, a friend of mine, he goes, Mike, bro, in the last year, he was boasting. He, he's an idiot. He goes, Mike, in the last year, I went on about 20 different dates with 20 different girls. I go, well, why are you still single? He goes, bro, Mike, I, I've come to this conclusion that women are all crazy. <laughs> and I go, bro, um, well, well, let's look at this. You're, you're the common denominator in all these relationships. You're the one who's crazy. <laughs> you know, I also think that maybe that there's people here where you're stuck in a revolving door of, of an addiction. Maybe it's a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction where you feel like you're getting better, but for some reason you're relapsing and you're going back to that negative behavior. Or maybe you're saying, Mike, I, I don't deal with an addiction. This isn't my problem. Well, no, maybe that's not it. But maybe your revolving door is pride where you think you're better than other people because you don't struggle with those things. Or, or maybe it's sadness or maybe it's depression. At the end of the day, I think all of us have revolving doors in our life. And if that's you today, I want to let you know that I got good news for you. That you came to church on the right day and on the right time because we have a God who gives you another door. You know, the amazing thing about doors is this, is that doors are only entry points, but doors are exit points. And if you walk through the door of Jesus, you will find freedom. And if you walk through the door of peace, you will find freedom. And if you walk through the door of freedom, you can be set free from your addictions. There, there's another door. You know what I love about doors is that doors, they have frames. And I think that if you walk to the frame of grace, your life would change. And if you walk to the frame of peace, your life can change. And if you walk to the frame of holiness and freedom... Your life, it, it, it can change. If, if there's one thing that I want you to get from this message is this. That Jesus is the open door to a life of fulfillment and a life of freedom. Now this brings us to John chapter 10. Because John chapter 10, this is where Jesus, he makes this iconic statement. Where Jesus says that he is the door. But in order to understand John chapter 10, we have to be students of the Bible. And we have to understand the context that we find in John chapter 9. Because in John chapter 9, there's a series of events that happen that lead to this iconic statement where Jesus says that he is the door. And this is really incredible because what happens is that we have a God that likes to set people free and heal the sick and do miracles in people's lives. So Jesus, he encounters this man who's been blind from birth. 
And, and, and the story is amazing because the Bible says that Jesus, he reaches out and he reaches to this man and this man gets healed. But then the story, it goes bad because there's religious onlookers or religious leaders that's looking on this situation and they begin to criticize the blind man for his healing. You see, the issue is not that they didn't like the blind man. The issue is that they hated Jesus. And I want to give a side note about this because every time Jesus gives you an open door of opportunity, the enemy will always present a door of distraction to destroy your life. And really what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's saying, hey, hey, I I need you to pay attention. I need you to redirect your focus to where you're entering because I am the door. And then Jesus, he gives four reasons as to why it's amazing to open through the door of Jesus. And and here's the first thing that Jesus says. The first reason why, why, why we have to enter through the door of Jesus is because in Jesus you will find protection. I want to read to you a verse found in John chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now, what Jesus is saying, protection, what we really have to do is that we really have to focus on the word that Jesus used. Because the word that Jesus used to define our protection is this word saved. And to Christians, we hear this word saved and it sounds normal. But to those who aren't believers, to those who don't know Jesus, this word Christian, I mean this word saved, it sounds weird or it sounds awkward. For example, I have friends in my life, family, friends, and coworkers who who don't fall in that saved category. And sometimes we would have conversation and I would say something like, hey, Jesus is my savior. He saved me from my sin. He wants to save you from your sin. And then they'll respond, savior, save me from what? Like my life is good. I pay my taxes. I only curse sometimes. Like Like what do I need saving from? But in the Bible, it identifies what we need saving from. Look at what Ephesians chapter two, verse one says. It says, as for you, you were dead or currently are dead in your transgressions and sins. You see, the reality is is that you and I, we have a skewed vision of what sin does. Because we think that sin makes us bad people, but sin doesn't make us bad people. Sin makes us dead people. And there's people in here where you look like the walking dead. Because we're struggling with, with, with sin, but we serve a God who wants to set us free from that sin. You see, we don't serve a God who came down to earth and stepped out of eternity and walked on this planet to make bad people good. We serve a God who stepped out of eternity because he wanted to make dead people come to life. And that is the gospel of the message. That is the Jesus that we understand. But we, but we got to understand something about the character and nature of our God. To understand that we are saved, we have to understand how he does this because what we got to understand about God is that God is an eternal God. That's why in the book of John, in John chapter 1, John begins to to tell this beautiful story of Jesus where he says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God, and all things were made through him. So he's talking about the eternal perspective of who Jesus is. You see, you and I, we we don't see eternity. We only see the the time frame that we're on, but we have a God who, who lives outside of eternity. The Bible says that he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Which means that he came and he saved and protected our past. He saves and protecting our our present. And he's saving and protecting our future. Why is this important? The reason that this is important is because if you understand that your past has been saved and protected, that means that you now have peace for the present, which gives you faith and expectancy for the future. And we have to talk about the future plans that God has for your life. Because the future plan that God has for your life is that you would grow in your relationship with God. And I think today we live in a society of people that enter into a relationship with Jesus, but for some reason they're paralyzed by fear and don't want to step into into activities that make them grow. Can I tell you, that's why we have connect groups here at the church. Connect groups, I want to tell you this, it's God's biblical idea for your growth. 
Like that's the plan that God has for your life. We didn't invent connect groups. Connect groups is in the Bible. And the tools that God used to build your growth is for you to get a relationship with people. That's why you got to get in the connect group. For that, that's why we have growth track. That's why we offer four classes of growth track. Why? So, so that you can grow, so you can grow in your faith. He's protecting your future so you can walk in your future and grow in your future and have a relationship with Jesus. Now, now let's talk about the second thing that he offers. The second thing that he offers is this, is that he offers provision for every need. John chapter 10, verse 9 says this. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will go in and out and they will find pasture. Really what Jesus is saying is this is that is he's our provision. You see, today we're on week three of the I Am series, but Jesus is still on week one. Because Jesus is still talking about how he's the bread of life. So what, really what Jesus is saying is that when you walk through me the door, on the other side of the door, you're going to find me again. And I'm going to say, I'm the bread of life. Well, well, this is confusing. Jesus, I need your help understanding this. Are you saying that when I walk to the door, you're going to be on the other side of the door, and you're going to be my provision, you're going to be my bread of life? And Jesus responds, I am. And then I'm just confused. Because I'm like, Jesus, I thought you just said you were the door. Then Jesus responds, I am. I'm like, Jesus, you have multiple personality disorder. I need your help. I need your help figuring this out. Help me. How can I see this? Well, then Jesus responds, well, I'm also the light. So if you step into the light, you'll be able to see how I'm also your provision and how I'm also the door that you walk through. And, 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 that's, the, and, and that's the God that, that we serve. The, the issue is, the issue, the issue is, is, that, is that when we hear provision, we think provision means gifts. And some of us are like, Mike, I've been walking with the Lord for five months, and I haven't gotten my breakthrough yet, and I haven't gotten my paycheck yet, and I haven't gotten... I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. who taught you that bad theology? Who taught you that entering a relationship with Jesus means that he was going to give you more stuff? Like, 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 where did you learn, like, where did you learn this unscriptural truth? The reality is that provision is not the gifts that he gives. Provision is the gift that he is. So, so, who taught you, so who taught you this? You see, the reason that this is important to know is because whether my life is going good or bad, whether I have money in my banking account or not, whether my relationships are distorted or healed, the reality is that I have more than enough of who Jesus is because Jesus is my provision. So, so this, is what, this is what Jesus is teaching. It's a powerful thing. This is why in Psalms chapter 23, David, he pens something so beautifully where he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not Want. Really what Jesus is saying here is that I am everything you need when you need it the most. I'm everything that you need when you need it the most. And some of us today, we're walking around with some heavy needs. And for some reason, we think that our needs, they separate us from God or they make God not want to step into our life. Like, God, you're too big. Why would you even deal with my need? But I want to tell you that we have a God who cares about you. Like, he doesn't just care about the crowd, but he's, he's thinking about you personally. Like, today he's thinking about how you might not have enough money to pay the rent. Like, t- like today, he, he's personal, and he's thinking about how you might be j- dealing with an addiction. Like, today he's, he's personally thinking about you and thinking about, what, about your anxiety and your fears and, and your depressions and the, the little things in life, the, the things that... The things that we think that if we tell people, we're going to seem weak. The things that when you do tell people, people say that you are weak. 
Like those things, the things that you're afraid to share. The things that, that you share so much that you're just tired of yourself. It feels like, why do I share this issue? So, like, like, why do I? Jesus cares about that issue. And I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to set you free. The only thing you need to do is redirect your focus and you need to walk through the right door. Because some of us, we continually walk through the door of disappointment. But Jesus wants you to walk through the door of freedom. And Jesus, he, he cares about you and he's thinking about you personally. Come on, is anybody thankful for this Jesus? He's, he's a good God. He's an amazing God. And, and, and when I think about provision, and when I think about the moments where I'm stressed out, where I feel like, God, I don't have enough. Can, can I let you in on a secret? Jesus, I'm funna. Jesus has already done enough. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, and when he died for your sin, and when he died for my sin, and when he purchased a gift of eternal life, and when he stepped into the grave and stole the keys of hell so that you and I can step into freedom, the reality is, is that we serve a God who's already done enough. He's already saved our life. He's already set us free. He's already done enough in our life. And, and that's the Jesus that we serve. So this is what we got to understand. That Jesus does so much more than this. I mean, our God is so gracious that he does more than we deserve. Because then he moves on to point three. He goes, I want to let you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm your, what was I just talking about? What'd you say? Yeah, I'm your, what? No, I'm kidding. I'm your provision. No, I wasn't kidding. I was really, I was like, what just happened there? I, aside from being, can I be honest in the house of God today? Okay. Uh, uh, aside from Jesus being your provision, I love what Jesus continues to say because Jesus says, aside from being your provision, I want you to know that I'm also your privilege. Look what John chapter 10 verse 9 says. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and will go out. I want to read this one more time. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And listen to this. And he will go in and he will go out. You know, one of my favorite things is to go on vacation with my wife. And because we balling on a budget, we, we, we love to go to Orlando. I mean, we, we really do. We, we just love to go to Orlando. I feel like every time I preach, I have an Orlando story. Like, like we just, we love it so much. And, and I got to tell you this about hotels and my relationship with them. I, I have, I'm convinced that I have a hotel anointing. Like, I'm convinced that every time I go to a hotel, I get free upgrades. It's true. It's true. If you want to go, if you're planning on a vacation, take me with you. <laughs> I promise I'll get you an upgrade. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, we received this letter in the mail or this email that says, you know, Mr. Gonzalez or whatever, you know, you have been upgraded from a one-bedroom suite to a three-bedroom suite. I'm like, man, this is exciting. So then we drive up to the valet section, and the security guard, he points us in a direction of a valet service. But the valet service isn't your ordinary valet service. It's his VIP service. That's right. So, so when, we, when, we pull, when I pull up to the service, I begin to get nervous. I don't tell my wife this because I'm a man. And, and I say, <laughs> and I start thinking to myself, How, are we going to have to pay for this VIP service? So, so because you don't want to look cheap at the valet, you never ask, hey, how much does it cost? Because if it's too much, you leave, and then you look cheap. So what I asked was, what I asked was, hey, how does this whole parking thing work? <laughs> Yo, hey, I'm giving you secrets to life right now that you're going to exceed. Well, anyways, the, the, guy looks, the guy looks at the paperwork and he goes, what's your name? And I go, I go, Gonzalez. 
Michael Gonzalez. <laughs> and the guy looks up the list and he, he goes, oh, okay, uh, Mr. Gonzalez, well, you have been upgraded to our, our VIP suite. You, instead of having a one-bedroom, you have a, a three-bedroom. And by the way, uh, this valet service, the VIP service, you don't have to pay for this service. The, the amazing thing about the service is that this parking lot is right next to your room. In fact, you have the same parking spot. You'll never lose it. I mean, I mean, no one would take your spot. It is reserved for you. And then he gives me the ticket, and then the ticket says, in and out privileges. And this is interesting. Because when I think about the in and out privileges that we have in a hotel... It reminds me of the in and out privileges that we have in the presence of God. Because the reality is, is, that, is that many of us, we do a really good job at coming to church. But we don't do a really good job at being the church. So we come in here, we're constantly fed by the word of God. But what Jesus wants you to know is don't stay here. You have, you have in and out privileges. The thing is that we have reduced our Christianity to the four walls of this church. And we have a culture of people who are living a 50% life rather than a full 100% faith. And what I mean by this is that, is that you only come to church, you're only being fed the word of God, but you're not living a life where, where you're living to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You see, the first half is where you're being fed by the word of God. and The second half is now when you're feeding people the word of God. In reality, I, I don't want to get too much in your business, but I just want to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that people who live this kind of life, they should question whether or not they're living a life worthy of the calling. Because there's people in your life that need to be saved and have an encounter with Jesus. Look what Matthew 28 says in verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, the, to obey everything I have commanded. And can I tell you something? That when you enter a relationship with Jesus, some of you are looking for calling and you're looking for purpose, and you, and you have that in Jesus. Because the Bible says that once you enter a relationship with Jesus, you're now filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're now carriers of supernatural gifts. And the reason that Jesus has done something powerfully on the inside of you is because he's desperate to do something powerful through you. And some of us were tired and we're worn out and we're bored of religion because we're not living a life that's worthy of the calling. We're not living a life of faith. But it's time that we align our vision and our expectations with the vision of Jesus. Because look at what Luke 19 says. Jesus says this so beautifully. In fact, this is Luke talking about Jesus and it says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the vision of our church. To bring people to life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we have a 9 a.m. service, an 11 a.m. service, a 1 p.m. service, two 6 p.m. service, a second campus in Wynwood, and now getting ready to launch another campus in Wynwood because we're hungry to see the lost be found, for the broken to be healed, for the depressed to find joy. This is the God that we serve. And can I tell you the reason that Jesus gives us this mission is the final reason that Jesus said we should have walked through the door, and it's this. It's because when you walk to the door of Jesus, you will have a full life. You know, I think it's amazing that the day you stop breathing and the day that you close your eyes, that we're going to be in the presence of our Savior. But can I tell you that Jesus, he didn't save you just so that you can die and go to heaven. Some of us, we think that Jesus, that this Christian thing is all about suffering. And yeah, in life, there's suffering. 
But through the supernatural power of God, we can still experience joy through our suffering. And Jesus, what he's saying is that I want to give you, I want to give you a full, I want to give you a full life. Not just a life in eternity, but I want to give you a full life here on earth. I want to read to you what, what Jesus said in John chapter 10, because this will give us more insight on what he means. And he says this, he goes, let me, let me break this down for you. You see, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they may have life. I want to talk about this word life for a second, because we, we have to understand something about the Bible, that the Bible was originally written in Greek. And, and there's, there's two different Greek words for it. Well, the New Testament part was written in Greek. Old Testament written in Hebrew, but when Jesus was, was, was speaking this, there, there's two Greek words for life. The first Greek word for life is this word called bios. Bios is where we get, is where we get the word biology from. It, it defines the biological life that you live, but it also defines the biological life that you live. Meaning the, the material possessions that you inherit. That's a bios life. There's, there's really two definitions tied to it. Bios meaning it's a biological life, but bios meaning a life with material possessions. But when Jesus was talking about this, he wasn't talking about a bios life. Because the reality is that you can be rich but still lack joy. You, you can have all the material things that you want in your life, but, but still not have peace. But Jesus, he was talking about something completely different. When Jesus said, I came to give life, the word that he used was, was zoe life. And zoe life, what it means, it means a life that cannot be quantified. It means a life that cannot be counted. But then the verse gets even better because in John chapter 10, verse 10, he continues to say, and this life that you cannot quantify, and this life that you cannot measure, I want you to know that I've come that you may have this life and that you would have it more abundantly. Jesus, he's, he wants to give you a life that's overflowing and a life that's brimming over. Can I tell you that Jesus, he, he doesn't just give you peace, but he gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, he, he doesn't just give joy. But he gives an unspeakable joy, full of hope and full of glory. Jesus does not just want to forgive your sins. He wants to abundantly forgive your sins. Jesus wants you to live a life that's, that's above and it's over. And the amazing thing is, is this, is that that's only just on this side of eternity. But what about the other side of eternity? Well, what waits for us there? John, the... This same writer, he also wrote the last book in the Bible called the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, God gives John a vision of heaven. And I want you to pay attention to this. I really want you to pay attention to what John says he saw in heaven. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. He says, I looked up and I saw an open door in heaven. Not a closed door. Not a door that's difficult to open, but an open door. And some of us think that heaven's doors are closed to us, but heaven's doors are open to you. But there's, there's, there's something deeper than this. Because have you ever been to those hotel rooms that they connect and you can open a door, but on the other side, there's another door. And if they open the door, it's connecting rooms. Okay. Jesus is not just saying, hey, there's an open door for you in heaven. But he's asking you, have you opened your door to heaven? Because Jesus, he's, he's desperate to have a relationship with you, you know. 
Can I read you one more verse? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says this, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. Question for you today. Will you open your heart to heaven today? Will you open your heart to have a relationship with Jesus? Can you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing. And Lord, I know there's people here today that the answer and the solution is to step into a relationship with you. So Jesus, I ask that you would open up their hearts to receive you. As we continue praying, all pastors, all leaders praying, maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Mike, I I feel different today. I feel like my, if your heart's beating at your chest, that's, that's Jesus. He's, he's knocking on your door. My question for you today is, will you open your heart to heaven this morning and step into a relationship with Jesus? What I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to count to three. And this is a private moment. Everyone's head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. And I'm going to ask you if you want to step into a relationship with Jesus. And when I count to three, if that's you, in a private moment, all I'm going to ask is this. When I count to three, that you would just shoot your hand up in the air so I can see it and I can acknowledge you. That way I know who I'm going to pray for. So right now I'm going to count to three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Say, Mike, you know what? I want to start a relationship with Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, just stick your hand up everywhere, bro. Amazing. God bless you. 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 God bless all four of you in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, keep your hand up a little longer just so I can see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right here. Amazing. 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 Okay. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a word of prayer. The Bible says this, that if you confess Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and you allow him into your heart that you will be saved, that you will find protection and provision and privilege in Jesus, that you will experience a full life. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm just going to do a repeat after me prayer. It's going to be line by line. So I'm just going to ask everyone if we can just repeat this prayer together. So if you can, all those who raise their hands, say this, say, dear Jesus, I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sin and wash me clean. I want to live for you all the days of my life. And it's in Jesus' name. All of God's people said amen and amen. Let's give a big round of applause to all of those who just entered into a relationship with Jesus.